Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming this evening. Uh, we'll continue with the 105th Anucheda of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're in the ninth subsection of that Anucheda. The Anucheda has 11 different subparts, as presented by Sachin Das. Um, so, as you know, it's been extremely comprehensive. Uh, we're in the, in the ninth part. And at the very end, Sri Jiva Goswami says the following. In this verse, the meaning of the four chapters of the Uttara Mimamsa. So here when he's saying Uttara Mimamsa, he's speaking of the Vedanta Sutra. So Uttara, the, the higher, after you've done the Purva Mimamsa, you've done all the commerce that you want in the material world, then you're ready to move forward to higher subjects and those are presented in the Vedanta Sutra. The meaning of the four chapters, he's saying, in this verse, the verse he's referring to is the first verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam. In this verse, the meaning of the four chapters, the meaning of the whole Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, can see, be seen here in the first verse of the Bhagavatam. And then he explains how. It's been pointed out as follows. That of the first chapter, reconciliation or samanvaya. So again, let's just think of the, of the Vedanta Sutra. The Vedanta Sutra it comes in just four sections or chapters. And each of those four sections is subdivided into four sections. So there's only four main subject matters dealt with in the Vedanta Sutra. I'm sure we can easily f know what three of them are going to be, Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. So there is, there is another item discussed. So that's in the second chapter or the second section of the Vedanta Sutra. We have one more item, which is just an elaboration of Sambandha Gyan. So Sambandha, Abhidaya, and Prayojan are also there in the Vedanta Sutra. So he's showing how we can see an outline of the Vedanta Sutra presented in the first verse of the Bhagavatam. So that of the first chapter, first chapter of the, of the Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, reconciliation or samanvaya is given in the words who is Included to be the foundational source through the import Artheshu of all the various types of Vedic statements, be they affirmative, unvayat, or disaffirmative, atarata, unvayat ataratas cha. So that's the words in the first verse of the of the Bhagavatam. So he's saying we can see this first chapter of the Brahma Sutra in these encapsulated in these words from the first verse of the Bhagavatam, Anvayad Taratascha. The second chapter of the Brahma Sutra, non-contradiction or aviroda, is dictated by the words about which even great sages are perplexed. Mujanti Yat Sureha. So he takes these three words from the first verse and he says, We can see here that these relate to the second chapter of the Vedanta Sutra. So basically, if we look at it in Vedic terminology, you have the, the uh, um, first, first, there's a conclusion is given. And then there's a, a purvapaksha, an argument. And then from that, we come to the Siddhanta, the explanation that explains conclusively based, based on the opening argument, what is the conclusion. So the Vedanta Sutra is set up in the first chapter to present the Supreme Absolute Truth. And then all the other philosophical objections to that are presented in the second chapter and, re and 
and easily refuted. So the first chapter corresponds with the words from the first verse of the Bhagavatam. <clears throat> Anvayadi Taratas Cha and the second chapter Mujanti Yat Suryaha. Now this Mujanti Yat Suryaha that that was also given that's the end of the uh, third line of the first verse and that is you it doesn't matter how much even the the godliest of people the surya the suras uh, as much as they can apply their fine intelligence to the subject matter of trying to understand the nature of their being and even to the nature of the supreme being as as hard as they try and they're the they're the they're the cream of of the living entities of the jivas within a material universe as hard as they try they're they're not going to be successful the success of understanding the supreme absolute truth is hridaya it has to be revealed in the heart as the Lord revealed himself in the heart of Brahma, which is the other explanation that was given here in this same subsection. So all the arguments that you can put forth from the best minds that you can that you can put on the on the problem are not going to be able to come up with the simple solution that can only be revealed by the Lord himself and he he showed the conclusive way that he does that through his revelation to Brahma at the beginning of creation so we see in the first verse of the Bhagavatam this statement you know the Lord revealed himself to Brahma through the heart and then Brahma well then Brahma could could not only perform the function, the creative function, but he also became a major expounder of Vedic knowledge because he'd heard it purely. And we see the same thing. So if we look at if we look at the core ingredient, the core ingredient of of transcend of transcendental realization is revelation. Now, we've been speaking a lot in this Anucheta to the, to the ingredient of relying on Shastra, right? We've been showing all this, the, the Shastra is the first, the Bhagavatam is, is, the, is the Shastra of all Shastras, and the first verse of the Bhagavatam encapsulates this and encapsulates that and, and shows clearly that even in the first verse, we see the components of the first the first verses of the Vedanta Sutra or the Brahma Sutra. So we see all that. So it's like Shastra. But where's the Shastra coming from? It's coming from revelation. It's been revealed to Brahma in his heart, all the Vedas. And the topmost revelation is coming from where? When we look to... Vyasudeva, he wrote down all the Shastras, so she, he should, well, he is the Supreme Lord himself, he should have been completely content. But even writing all the Shastra down with his, you know, with his high intelligence, still, it didn't satisfy him. So what satisfied him, when, how he could proceed to culminate this service for humanity of making it available in the in the most uh, taxing or perplexing age of humanity is by revelation he saw they really don't have a lot of time on their hands this is Kali Yuga they're not going to live a long time so that's that in and of itself is a major stumbling block to making significant spiritual progress in a lifetime. 
if you have a lifetime of 100,000 years, well, you know, you got some time. And if you have the additional facilities of nothing in your way, there's nothing there, like in Sachi Yuga, what is there? Everybody is like a yogi. Everybody has mystic cities. There's it's no, not really a competitive atmosphere. It's saturated with, with goodness. That means if you're seeing a fault, the only faults you're seeing are the faults in your own self because you wouldn't look beyond yourself for a fault. Kali Yuga is exactly upside down from that. We're perfect and everybody else is at fault. <laughs> and we look, go through, you know, Kali Yuga has set us up to basically to fail because of the major influences of passion and ignorance. So we're all always thinking, oh, well, you know, my problem's over there. If I could eliminate that person, then I'm fine. Or if I could get them to see the way, I, see things the way I see things, then everything would go on peacefully. Why do they not see it the way I see it? So what do we call this? The age of quarrel and hypocrisy. Why aren't you seeing black where I'm seeing black? You're seeing white. What, what is up? You're upside down. What, you have this Republican mentality. Really, you should be a Democrat. If everybody was a Democrat, we wouldn't have the problems we have today. And the Republicans are just saying, oh, yeah, really? You want to give everything away? That's going to solve all the problems. So they have quarrel and hypocrisy. And you can take it, well, you can't, it doesn't matter where you go. You even go into a home. People, people were supposed to be on the same side within the household, right? Supposed to be, everybody's like, oh, we're all working for family. Families, no, that doesn't work there too well either. If there's not bickering between the husband and wife, there's bickering between the brothers and sisters and the parents and the children or the grandparents and the, you know. So what 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 a setback we're at in Kali Yuga. And Vyasadeva said, well, I've got to help people, but not a lot gone for these people. A hundred-year lifetime? These people that, you know, in such a year, they have a hundred thousand years to perfect themselves. Treta Yuga. So either meditation or, or uh, uh, what's Treta? Sacrifices. Or deity worship you know, a lifetime of a thousand years. But he's not satisfied. He writes down on the scriptures, he's not satisfied. Narada encourages him. He sees through revelation. Whoa, here comes revelation again. Samadhi, experience. He experiences the Lord directly. And from that experience, he's able to see they don't have time for this karma mamamsa. They they don't you know if I they need to go right to the essence and they need to go there right away <laughs> as soon as I can get them there so I need to just push through all this other detailed knowledge that's in the Veda and take them directly to the to the essence to the lotus feet of the Lord to His smiling face which is the you know which is the center the heart of the Bhagavatam. If I can get them there, then there's some hope. Otherwise, you know, Vedic knowledge is so vast that it deals with every, every, all the minutia of material enjoyment that you could desire is laid out there. From how to enjoy uh, Kama, we have, uh, what is it? Uh, Kama Sutra, a whole sutra just how to have sex. <laughs> a whole sutra is just d devoted to doing business, just devoted to agri just devoted to the different varnas and the different ashrams, and and devoted to all the different sacrifices for all the different attainments. So it's a vast amount of knowledge there. And after presenting all that, he realized, whoa. And then we have in Kali Yuga, and they have to do it by reading primarily. And 
just no way it's going to work. I'm not happy with this. I've given them everything. I've written it all down. This would all work under normal circumstances. But this is a triage type situation. They're from the they're in the battlefield of Kali Yuga. They're being sliced and diced at every moment by the modes of material nature. <laughs> so we have to perform some an emergency. It's an emergency situation. We have to go right to the to the heart of the disease and and treat the heart. And if we can do that, then then there might be some hope. So therefore we have the Bhagavat Purana. And here we are in a Sampradaya and we're looking through the lens of Jiva Goswami to a period of time where he's saying, this is the essence. This is so significant. Srila Vyasa's Dave's Samadhi is so significant that we can set aside all the other scriptures and just dive into this Bhagavat Purana. It in and of itself is sufficient to completely cure all the ills of human society absolutely. As I said in the last discussion, this is revolutionary. The other subordinates are going, wait, hold on, put on the brakes here. This is, you know, you're, you're trying to create a revolution in, in spiritual thought based on the teachings of a saint, and you're accepting that saint as God? Now we note, we didn't discuss this much, but we note that the Goswamis didn't really, you know, they didn't really put Lord Chaitanya forward as Krishna. It's there in their writings, but it's not, not the super emphasis. It was enough for them to try to put forward his teachings, which were themselves so revolutionary in, in Vaishnavism. So what to speak of putting him forward? It would have been like, what? You think Krishna's already come in Kali Yuga and you're basing it on one verse? You're in, you're tra you're, you are in, you're taking from one verse in the Bhagavatam? Krishna Varna, Tvasa Krishnam, you're seeing this one verse and you say, and that's your evidence that your Bengali man is, is the Lord? They didn't really realize they're, they're, they have, they're on a mission here and it's, this is serious stuff. You know, but you can only keep a good, they can only keep a secret for so long in a Sampradaya. So, when Krishna Das finally comes, he says, no, 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 no. Okay. The Goswamis didn't emphasize, but I have to emphasize. I have to make this available so that, so that, so that people can know. So he throws all this together in, in his, in his presentation, following Vrindavan Das Thakur. Vrindavan gives the first hint of the position of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his work, and then Krishna Das, he ties it into the philosophy as presented by the Goswamis and gives us the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So this is this is this is significant. Uh, the significance of this can't be uh, overemphasized. What a revolutionary thing this is, this Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you know, that that we're just at the, basically at the tip of the spear, 500 years after the time of Lord Chaitanya, and in we come with this, with this Sankirtan movement, and Lord Chaitanya is pushing it on the whole world. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a major, major, when, how much this, you know, Sankirtan movement is going to be able to grow and penetrate into human society in Kali Yuga, uh, 
as I said, we are just seeing uh, the tip of the iceberg. There's certainly, you know, we can see there's a revolution afoot. It's the beginning of a revolution, and in the beginning of any revolution, things seem to be disorganized. We shouldn't be disheartened by when we see some disorganization, some clashing, some sectarianisms, you know, some institutionalization in this institution and that institution and some squabbles, you know, over this this idea or that idea as the ideas are are fully explored and naturally, just like when we make ghee, the impurities are coming up. So this one's fighting with that. And this, no, it's inherent. No, you fell. You're with Krishna. No, you fell. There isn't fall. No one falls. Where is this coming from? And, you know, so we hear these arguments and we are gradually, at least what I see from my perspective in this particular Sangha, under good guidance, tying up the loose ends and creating the firm connections to the core philosophy as presented by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and encapsulated in the writings of the Goswamis. So it's important work and we shouldn't be disheartened. We shouldn't say, well, why we should be the biggest Sangha. We have it. We're getting the philosophy right. Yeah, we are. It's a fact. We are getting the philosophy right. But not everybody at this stage, as I said, so many things are afoot. It's the tip of the iceberg. But the significance of this kind of knowledge and the significance of diving deeply into the philosophy and grasping it as much as we can and understanding the significance of tying these philosophical points together back to the way that it makes sense in the whole, how it all fits. That's what I see in Jiva Goswami. How's it all fit? You have the Bhagavatam. Well, how is Bhagavatam? We know that the essence of spiritual life is Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. What, what, are we, what is spiritual life all about? And how do we tie all the ends together? Who's God? Who are we? Who's the universe? What's the universe? Where's, what's the spiritual world? Is there a spiritual world? Where's the heaven? What's the different divisions? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. For us to grasp spiritual life, we have to tie a lot of things. How's nature fit into this? How's the sun fit into this? How's, how do the sun and the moon, what's happening with the stars? Do they really have an influence? How do they influence? We know they're in the Vedas. So... Do I need to worry about them? Should my, should my focus be on my chart or not? So there's a lot of stuff to work out, and that's Sambandha Gyan. And Sambandha Gyan, we have to learn how to, to, you know, to focus, to focus in on what's most important. What's the essence? So... Uh, we have that here, Sagrahi. We're essence seekers. We should continue this essence seeking until we got, got it down. Some Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan. So here we have the Bhagavatam. We know within this book are all three of these components completely presented. Now we have Jiva Goswami coming along and saying, okay, I'm going to systemize your study for you. It's basically what he's saying. Let me systemize it so you can have a, a very you know, have an approach that's going to, I'm going to bring out these things. So I'm going to do that in the Sandarbhas. I'm going to present four Sandarbhas to deal with Sambandha Gyan, Tattva Sandarbha, Bhagavat Sandarbha, Paramatma Sandarbha, Krishna Sandarbha. Then I'm going to elaborate on the practice in the Bhakti Sandarbha. I know Rupa's already given you a lot of the components. I'm just going to put those in the perspective of the Bhagavatam to tie it together. Not that I'm going to redo what Rupa Goswami did, but I'm going to tie it together in the same way that I've presented the Sambandha Gyan, and then we're going to get Prayojan.
in the Preeti Sandarbha. So, here he's just tying the first verse of the Bhagavatam. He's tying, he's showing here. It's right there in the essence of the, of the Vedanta Sutra. All the other Sampradayas are saying, Vedanta Sutra, you can't put the Vedanta, you need a commentary in the Vedanta Sutra, you're not a valid parampara. Why do I need a Look, everything is in the Vedanta Sutra, all four chapters. If you look to the first verse of the Bhagavatam, there, these things are there in the very first verse of the Bhagavatam. You think the rest of the book isn't going to elaborate on these things? No, it is. It's going to elaborate fully. So, you know, think your thinking cap on. Let me show you this. Let me show you these connections. So, first chapter, second chapter, um, the third chapter, the means, sadhana, by the words, let us meditate. One word, dimahi, from the very end of the first verse, satyamparam dimahi, very last word, let us meditate on, well, the goal. What words do you think of the goal? I'm sure you know. Satyamparam. Uh, the first, fourth chapter is called uh, Fala, the result. <clears throat> <clears throat> the supreme truth. Uh, the supreme truth, Satyamparam. So that completes his presentation. Um, Going on most of that. I want to read one thing from the commentary to uh, it kind of gives us a little bit more insight into the Vedanta Sutra, which I thought you'd enjoy. Shijiva Goswami explains that the essence of the entire Brahma Sutra is contained in the first verse of the Bhagavat Purana. The Vedanta, meaning the Vedanta Sutra, contains 556 sutras divided into four chapters called Sama Nyaya. Reconciliation, Aviroda, non-contradiction, sadhana, the means, and fala, the end result. The first chapter establishes that the import of all the Vedas is in Brahman, and the second refutes opinions contrary to Vedanta propounded by other philo philosophical schools. And the third explains the process for realizing Brahman, and the fourth describes the results of realizing Brahman. Since the Bhagavat Purana is the natural commentary of the Brahma Sutra, the essence of all these topics can be found in its first verse. Jivago Swami points out that the scriptural reconciliation, Samanyaya, is indicated by the words Anvayad Itaritas Cha, whose self-evident object is Bhagavan. The entity signified by Samanvaya can be disclosed only through revealed sound, subda, and not by any other means. Even great sages who do not acknowledge the authority of subda are perplexed as to the true import, muyanti yatsuriha. So we can inquire Till the ends of time, we're not. We need to get to the place of revelation. That's the way that we. That's what it's all about. We need to experience spiritual spirituality. We can sit here and we can study Vedanta, and we can. But unless we can taste and experience directly the supreme. And his form, his name, his qualities, his pastimes, until we come to that plane, then what's the use of all our schooling? What's the use of all our study of the Vedas? You know, unless it brings us to realizing Krishna, so what? Go on for lifetimes. You can become the best Vedantist. You can become the best mystic. You can become the best of anything. But if it doesn't give you realization of the Supreme, then of what, of what value is all that? And that's, that really has to be our objective. And that is the objective that's put forth from the very beginning of our spiritual practice. 
we're here to experience Krishna. And in the beginning, we have very little experience of Krishna. But we're given a process where we can begin the process of engaging our senses in the service of the Lord, no matter all of our senses, and gradually we're going to have spiritual revelation. It's going to start slowly. It's not like the lights are going to come on all of a sudden, generally. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you could be a young boy and go out and for six months really apply yourself, and Krishna's going to pop in front of you and say, Hey, what do you want? You called me. You called me? I'm here. What is it you need? Uh, who are you? What do I say? I don't know what to say. So, yeah, it happens. It's not the normal course of action. Normally, you know, we need to we need to clean things up a little bit. We need to let Krishna do his work on and we need to re reprogram the computer, so to speak. You need to, you know, come in and and uh throw out the old old code to use a different kind of an analogy than Guru Maharaj uses and and uh, you know, uh start and rewrite new code according to the new objective of the program. So that's that's the process of Krishna consciousness. But ultimately, we want to experience the holy name. We want to experience the Lord's form. We want to see Krishna dancing on the altar. We want to feel Krishna dancing on our tongue and in our hearts. And we want to enter into our heart through deep practice and and we want to enter into his his personal association in aprakat lila within us and eventually enter into some manifestation of when he's in a planet somewhere near us we want to come <laughs> along we want to view from afar wow look what he's doing with all his friends can I serve one of them or like that? So it's a whole a whole program. We want to we want to read the books in such a way that at every minute we're inspired to read on. We don't want to just it's just not reading. It's ex, we're exploring. We're exploring the Lord. He he's resplendent in everything. If we only knew, we're just getting a glimmer of what the Lord's like by associating with the sadhus have had, who have had these experiences to a lesser or greater extent than we have. Not to a lesser, but they may not be fully, even even the people we associate, but we can see, well, they're a little further along than I am. Let me, let me hear what's, what's, their, what's their secret. Because I can see in their enthusiasm something I want. So now we will move on to the next to the last section. And we won't get too far because it's a little complex here. But now in this subsection, Krishna is going to show that the first verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam encapsulates the essence of Gayatri mantra. So Jiva Goswami writes here, The meaning of Gayatri has also been made clear in the Bhagavat Purana verse, meaning the first verse. The meaning of Pranava Om, the divine creative pulsation, is expressed by the words Jadmad Yasya Yataha, from whom this cosmos emanates because they signify that the Absolute is intrinsically self-endowed with the potency for creation, sustenance, and dissolution. This is also confirmed in Agni Purana in the explanation of Gayatri. That effulgence is Bhagavan Vishnu, who is the source of the creation, sustenance, and dissolution of the cosmos. The meaning of the three vyuhritis, 
the three mystic words uttered after Om in Gayatri, Bu, Bhuva, and Swa. Now we will chant the Gayatri as we present it here, but I can go on YouTube and hear Cher chant the full Gayatri as she rides on the back of an elephant. So <laughs> it's not that Gayatri is that secret mantra. It's not being it's not being treated with the respect that it it should be, uh, you know, in, in normal uh, social setting. Uh, it's 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 diminished. It hasn't diminished in stature, but humanity in Kali Yuga knows how to diminish everything in stature. So. Uh, but we won't be, as even Guru Maharaj, in, in discussing what during his last visit, uh, the Gopal mantra. This also, uh, we're not going to discuss here, and that we should be careful not to to, to speak about, but. Gayatri Mantra now in yoga circles and in, in society is like everybody knows Gayatri. You know? Ananda Nam grew up chanting it his whole life. So, how was this Gayatri in the first verse? The meaning of the th three Vyuhritis. The three mystical words uttered after Om in Gayatri, Bu, Bhuva, and Swaha, is expressed by the words Yatra Trisargo Mrisha, in whom the threefold creation is a real emergence. In both description, the in both descriptions the intention is to say that the threefold divisions of the universe are not distinct from the absolute. They are real effects of a real cause. It's an important point that Jeeva's saying. Let's not get waylaid by the Advaitin philosophy here. The universe is we real. It has distinct divisions of 8,400,000 different species of life, and it has distinct divisions of planetary systems. They are real. They're not a figment of your imagination. You didn't make this place up. <laughs> I realize you may think you have a real good brain, but you'd be hard-pressed to even make up what you see driving down, you know, a quarter mile of road. <laughs> what to speak of of making up, uh, I mean, what you see in the, in the night sky and the stars and the moon. I mean, you just, this just all came about. Why? Because, because you have a desire to enjoy and you created a world because how did that happen? <laughs> it's Brahman, but Brahman... Anyway, we know the Advaitin philosophy, and we have a hard time reconciling it with, with common sense uh, sometimes. But you have a whole, you have a whole section of, of, of the followers of Sankaracharya that say it's all an illusion. It's all an illusion brought about by ignorance that came from nowhere because there is no ultimate source. There's, you know, Brahman is unqualified. So Brahman being unqualified, there cannot be any ignorance in Brahman, but somehow or other this ignorance came, a, came along from, from well, this ignorance came along. Let's just forget from because we know it couldn't be from Brahman because Brahman's perfect and complete and absolute and you know so. But all of a sudden, it Brahman fell in ignorance and out comes the jivas and the universe and you know and uh, and a god in the universe who's fully situa situated in the mode of goodness. So. It's it's a hard it's a hard thing to sell this Advaitin philosophy when when we've been schooled just a little bit in 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 the fine discrimination of looking intelligently at the world around us. 
just a little discrimination makes it virtually impossible to, to comprehend this Advaitin philosophy, and especially the way Sankaracharya put it out there, that it's all Maya, Mayavad. There's nothing, nothing. God, God has a material form. There's no God beyond Brahman, you know. And if you, if you, if if you're seeing a form of the Lord in the in the material universe, what well, has to be a material form because Brahman can have no form. It's unqualified. It can have no qualities. Just a little fine spiritual discrimination, and. Although we may not be able to pull out the books and quote the, 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 all the sutras in such a way that we, who are beginning students of Jiva Goswami here, studying in English, trying to just grasp, grasp the ideas and put those between our ears and so that we can have a sense of it, we may be not so qualified to be able to defeat to defeat the Advaitin philosophical presentation with all the scriptural the rules of of the of the battle of ph philosophical discussion that are there in Indian uh, traditional uh, discussion or ph philosophical exchange, but. In our heart, we know it just doesn't work. And uh, eventually, in our heart, those verses will come as we advance spiritually. That's the distinction between the Majjam and the Uttama Adhikari. The Uttama Adhikari, well, he's had the revelation. He's like the Brahma at the beginning of creation. Krishna's shown him. He's poured in all the knowledge of the Vedas. So out come all the scriptural, all the scriptural verses to 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 back up evident with the evidence of shastra everything that he says. For the Madhyamadikari, Kanista Madhyam, they're they're just beginning with. We may be convinced philosophically beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt. When we're convinced philosophically beyond a shadow of a doubt. We are coming to the Madhyam platform as delineated by the Acharyas. So when you know in your heart what's here is right on, you know, and I have full confidence in this, and I have full confidence in, in the Sampradaya that I'm practicing in, and full confidence in my guru as a Bonafide representative of that sampradaya, who can give me good guidance, then then we are at that platform. We may not know all the verses, we may not, but we can see we're coming to a platform of nista. And at that platform of nista, then then progress comes somewhat more easily there's still some things maybe some kinks to work out <laughs> but we should feel some confidence there real effect of a real cause jiva goswami goes on the words warat self-resplendent signifies the supremely effulgent one the illuminator of the sun savitru savitru the phrase taini brahma who revealed the Vedas for within the heart implies a prayer for the inspiration of the intellectual facility. May he alone mercifully inspire our intellectual faculty to meditate on him, Prachodayat. All this indeed is summed up by the words, it, the Bhagavat Purana, begins with Gayatri. The effulgence mentioned here is the one endowed with form, Paramatma, as established by the Sutra. And then he quotes from the Chandogya Upanishad, the one who exists within the eye and the sun is not a jiva but Paramatma because the attributes that are taught therein 
are applicable only to Brahman. It is this original unlimited form alone that is to be meditated upon. The statements of Agni Purana explain Gayatri in a sequential manner as follows. And then uh, Jiva Goswami quotes a large section of the Agni Purana wherein Gayatri is explained word by word in the different sutras there. Um, and slokas from the Agni Purana. So the fire god says as follows and then that's all presented here. Um, we'll read through the uh, highlights of that at the beginning in the next class and um, then go to the summary. Basically uh, we can see the correlations uh, that are provided here in a simple, simple way. Om, uh, Om Bor Bhuvaswa Tatsavatur, Varenyam Margo Devashyadi Mahidiyo Na Prachodayat. Om Janmajasya Yataha Bor Bhuvaswa Yatra Tisargo Mrisha Tatsavatur Savatahu. Uh, Swarat, Varenyam, Param, Margo, Devasya, Damna, Swena, Dimahi, Dimahi, Dioyo, Na, Prachodayat, Taini, Brahma, Hrida. So those are the equating between Gayatri and the, and the first verse. And this, this, This complete explanation from the Agni Purana is uh, is uh, detailed. It gives us an insight uh, as to the proper way that we look at the Gayatri mantra, because other others look at the Gayatri mantra differently. And then, if you really wanted to go into a completely different viewpoint on the on the uh, Gayatri mantra that we chant, uh, Savitri mantra, first verse. Uh, you can read uh, an explanation by Bhakti Rakshak Sridhardev Goswami, which is an entirely, completely different viewpoint, wherein he equates Gayatri mantra with with service to Srimati Radharani. And it's quite an elaborate explanation. So there's a book put out. And uh, actually, Guru Maharaj read, uh, wrote one section on one of the mantras that we chant and all the different mantras and Gayatris that we chant as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, different gurus. But the very first one, the, the main Gayatri mantra, is explained by Bhakti Rakshat, Sridhardev Goswami, where he shows that Actually, Gayatri is just a prayer to Srimati Radharani. We want to enter into her mood, so that's what Gayatri mantra is. So it's quite a quite a nice contribution to the contemporary Vaishnav community that he's given there. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but uh, Gayatri mantra Deepika. Yeah, Deepika. If you want a copy, I can send you a PDF. Any questions on what we've discussed here this evening? So much emphasis, like the acharyas are to explain what is not bhakti in a sense, like many times referring this Advaita Vedanta is so far away from bhakti. So they kind of, Jiva Goswami again and again takes up the Advaita perspective in his Sandarbhas, like to, right. because it was like the like culture or it was in his climate. day it's a big thing i mean yeah. you have to yes so i'm wondering and also i heard that the root of the chaitanya tree is is uh, many shankara followers right mm. so it seems like kind of are we we can we should be even thankful somehow because they indirectly show this is can you say something about that like or how, how is it like, 
if it's the root of the tree, right? Seems like well, the root of the tree that they've become established, these sannyasis became firmly established, even though they came from, these sannyasis came from, you know, the San, Sankara's understanding, but just like uh, um, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya or Prakasananda Saraswati, they were converted by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They were shown that, yes, the the Brahman aspect, the Brahman, I mean, we cannot deny throughout the Veda we have Brahman, Brahman, Brahman. So to, to come to this this understanding of, of a chinta beta beta tattva, you know, simultaneously one and different, and uh, um, it's a major change. It's a major, it's a, it's, it's a major change in, in that culture that Sri Chaitanya brought about. Are we thankful? Yes, we're thankful. You know, we're so thankful that uh, we accept one of the main proponents, commentary on the Bhagavatam, as Sri Chaitanya accepted, this is the best. This is mm -hmm. this is Sridhar Swami's. Oh, yeah. But throughout Sridhar Swami's commentary, he plays to educating the Advaitins by, well, casting a net, as Swami puts it, he, you know, here, yes, your philosophies, it's not that philosophy's not right, it's fact, the supreme absolute truth is non-dual, you know, vidanti tat tatva vidas tatva miyas jnanam advayam, jnanam advayam, the supreme non-dual substance can be known differently according to the mood of the worshiper, brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti Sabjate. So in essence, yes, we accept it's non-dual. But you you don't you just you need to look a little deeper. If you look a little deeper, you'll see it's non-dual with spiritual qualities. Non-dual means it's it's all spiritual is what it means. <laughs> it's all spiritual, but it's it's form, you know, it's name, it's qualities, it's pastimes. It's all all that's non-dual, but you can enter into it, and you can, you know, why not? Why not just take advantage of the the cream of spirituality, and 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 go there? Why just be content with the fact that you've turned off the material world? The material world has all the variegatedness of. Uh, of uh, the spiritual world has all the variegatedness of the material world without any of the difficulties that you're trying to escape from. So you don't, escape's good, yeah, get out. Get to zero, but there's a lot more above zero as presented, you know. So I think it's important for contemporary Gaudiya Vaishnavas to first of all have a firm understanding of the difference between a Brahmavadi and a Mayavadi. Mm -hmm. So what we hear in the Bhagavatam verses is, is an explanation. When we hear Brahmati, we're talking about a Brahmavadi. We're not talking about a Mayavadi. A Brahmavadi accepts the Vedas as they are. He doesn't give some interpretation. Sankaracharya gave his own interpretation to fortify his own misconceived atheistic philosophy and that's what he was instructed to do and he did a good job of it <coughs> but there was a person behind that instruction <laughs> uh, that's our beginning we need to have that much understanding what's the difference between the teachings of Sankaracharya that interpretation of Shastra and a proper understanding of of that aspect of the supreme Brahman because the Lord has that aspect. He's non-dual in nature. You have perfect, absolute Sukadevs in the world, and then if they're fortunate, they can hear a verse from the Bhagavatam. And their essence, their sara, is attracted to that verse. So, yeah, we're not, we're not against, you know, we're against anything that, that mis, any misinterpretation of the Veda, but we're not a, against the Brahmavadi. Mm -hmm.
So, like in, in contemporary times, do we have any Brahmavadis? Like, we you know the Shukadeva was a Brahmavadi, and the Kumaras was Brahmavadi. But like, do we have a Sampradaya or? You know, when when Shiva came and Sankaracharya did his work, uh, he did it very well. So we're still reeling from that. So therefore, at least from the Vaishnavs' viewpoint, we can see how Vaishnavs easily dismiss all non-personal conceptions as Mayavad. And we see that Prabhupada was not, when coming to the Western world, he didn't really get into the to the fine details of the distinction mm-hmm. between the two. Now they're just impersonalists. Mm-hmm. But there's impersonalists that are properly situated and there's impersonalists that the followers of Sankaracharya that make it up if they go along just the way he did. Mm-hmm. Are there any? Yeah, probably there are. Uh, but I think the spiritual force, I'm sorry? Maybe some Buddhist sects. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, I think the force of Sri Chaitanya's uh, Sankirtan movement is so powerful in Kali Yuga that uh, those personalities that have uh, a proper perspective regarding the Vedas will be drawn in just as the biggest Brahmavadis in Chaitanya's day 500 years ago were drawn in and converted by him. I think similarly, those that are true, sincere, what you call Brahmavadis, will be drawn into the Sankirtan movement going forward, just as Prakasananda mm-hmm. and uh, Sarvabhuma and the others that Sri Chaitanya personally converted. That would be my thought on the matter. But yes, of course they exist. Just because there's the wrong thing, the wrong conception, there's also the right conception up there. But as I said, there's more wrong conception because of the good work Sankaracharya did his job well. I know won't call it good work, but he did his job well. He did what he was, you know. Yes. Um, when you were speaking about the shortness of Kali Yuga and, you know, and how um, Vyasadev wrote the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam and, you know, for us. And, um, I was thinking about this um, this uh, concept that devotees have, you know, some other devotees. Um, usually when a devotee passes away, they, they have this idea that, that, you know, oh, he's gone back to Krishna. Or if you chant, uh, you know, you chant 16 rounds or whatever, and you follow the principles, then you'll go back to guard it. So I was, I was wondering if, um, what's the harm in that kind of thinking? Because it seems like a good hook, if anything. As long as you know, I mean, as long as you use the hook for what it is, but eventually, you know. What harm is, is there in that, in that kind of thinking? It would depend on the adhikari of the student. I mean, if you look seriously to what's involved in the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how they're presented uh, systematically and how how one progresses through the stages of Anista, Anista, Ruchi, Asakti, you know, there's a lot involved. And someone who really applies themselves, then they, they're not really concerned about this, this quick liberation, you know, they're more, they more, they want to get to the platform of Ruchi. I want to have a real taste that Ruchi is coming at Nista. It's coming after, you know, after Anartha Nivriti, where we come to the stage of, of absolute humility, we realize, wow, this is amazing. I don't, you just, you're overwhelmed. 
So we see devotees just become overwhelmed with humility. I'm just, wow, how did I get here? You know, and then after that, Sri Chaitanya chants the next verse, Nadanam Nanjanam Nasundarim. And you realize there actually isn't anything in the material world that's going to satisfy me now. I realize I still like to do this or I still like to do that and, you know, but it really doesn't do for me what it used to do and somehow or other the taste isn't isn't what it used to be, although, yes, there's some lingering taste, comes and goes, but I'm I'm starting to get more of a taste for my chanting, more for hearing the philosophy, more for reading the books, worshiping the deity, associating and more like me at eating prasadam. So, <laughs> you know, I'm getting a taste. Fruity. <laughs> it's sweet. It all tastes good to me. So, but um, what's the result of that when it really comes, according to the verse, the verse Mama Janmani, Janmani, I, birth after birth, I start to recognize devotional service is not about me. It's about Krishna. And it's about loving Krishna and making him happy. Because there's no way I'm going to be happy unless he's happy. As long as we're thinking, I have a goal to attain, that's Kanista mentality. So, the hook that you're talking about is Kanista. I have a goal to attain. I'm going to chant my 16 rounds, got to fall off a little race, because then I'm going to be liberated. The devotee who's coming to a real taste of what devotional service is like, what it's about, he's like, I don't a hundred lifetimes, a million lifetimes, eons of lifetimes, or next lifetime, it's all about the service. I just want to be able to continue to do service because there's nothing that makes me happy individually. The only happiness I have is when Krishna is happy. When I serve him a nice meal, I know he's, he's enjoying that meal because I put my heart in it. And that I feel or I, I'm chanting or I'm reading or whatever service we may be doing you're starting to feel the satisfaction that only that pleasure of Krishna can give you. Then that hook is going to become just like at Mama Janmani. Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care for beautiful women. I don't care for for going to heaven. I don't want. I don't care. I just want to serve, you know. And then, then we're becoming. Then, this is Nista. This is a different stage of devotional practice. We can use all kinds of philosophy and all kinds of, of, of uh, preaching strategies to get the door open and get people in the door. But at a certain point, we've got to focus, as I said, on making those connections to exactly what is the philosophy and realizing that we want to be, you know, this is Raganuga Bhakti. We want to serve the Rigatmikas who are serving Krishna directly. We want to help them make Krishna happy. Because, and I, I'm this Das Das Anu Das. I want to serve the servant of the servant because I know if I can help them, because they know how to do it, I see that they're doing it. If I can help them do it, then I can get real mercy there. It's just a different. Is it a, is it okay? Yeah, it's okay. But after a while, like me seeing my god brothers who've been practicing for you know 40, 50 years now, you know, getting old, getting near death, and so, one of us passes away, and like, oh, they're with Prabhupada now, back in Vaikuntha. They we know they went to what? Hey, I know. I've got lifetimes to get to the stage of Ruchi and Asakti and, and Bhava. I, I, there's so much ahead. I want to taste every bit of it. You know, it's like a feast. Why would I want to... <laughs> 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 
Why would I want to cut? Why would I not want to taste it all? So let me go step by step. Yes. You asked also about the danger. So it's in a way, it's like can really breed um, complacency mm-hmm. and the, the the thought that I'm saved. Mm-hmm. And because I'm saved, then, you know, my behavior, my thoughts, I might not have to change it because I'm saved. And it's like a, it's also a business deal. If I do this, then Krishna will do it. It's karma. Yeah, it's like it becomes, can become karma. That's a very good point. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else? I thank you so much for your association.